Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Morning, guys. How you doing? Hi, Kyle. It's good to see you and Emily. Um, thanks for your grace. Thanks for patience this morning. I got to be over at West and share with them. Uh, we had a little bit of a conversation just about the the series that's starting next week and the six weeks together. Uh, quite honestly, there's a little bit of um, there's there's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of angst as we um, as two communities kind of bang together uh, and collide. And so I want to uh, ask you again, as uh, people are coming these next six weeks, you're going to recognize faces from West. I want you to connect with them. You'll also see probably people that you haven't uh, seen before. And I want you to use discernment about whether, um, whether a happy greeting face in their face is what they need, <laughs> or if you need to kind of like wave from a like, I see you, and this is as close as we're going to get, and it's okay. Um, but um, let's work on hospitality together. Let's work on being one church together. I'm really excited for this next six weeks to be able to talk about some of the things that have been growing in my heart and in my life over the last two years and with a group that I've been walking with over the course of the last year and a half, just to be able to share some stories and say, I, I think there's a lot of life in this for us as the church. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, did I catch, was Michael just kind of going back over this series? No, not at all. Okay, it's just good stuff, filler. Any good jokes? No, not today. Okay. So we're wrapping up today our series on six words that was planned for six words, and then the snowstorm hit, and now it's the five-word series, okay? Um, But we've been able to talk about in this series yes and no, help and enough. The yes that you don't have to ever question if God is yes or no for you. That God is always yes for you. The Bible says all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That God looks at you and he loves you and he adores you and he has affection and he invites you close to him. God is yes for you. And then when we talk about no, it's about all the different yeses in life that uh, compete for our attention, demand our attention, and the ability to say no that leads to life that says no. I don't have to do it all. I can't do it all. I'll kill myself if I try to do it all. I am not made for that. I'm made with God's yes to be able to say no and have some boundaries in my life. We looked at help. and Justin preached on help. The idea that we're not made to do this by ourselves, right? We're made for community. We're made to need each other in this interdependent kind of relationship that I lean on you and you lean on me. And together, we thrive. And the ability to say help that leads to life. And we talked about, uh, we talked about the word enough. That God is enough. That rather than living a life of like grasping and clinging, we can live an open-handed kind of life where we allow God to take care of us and we trust and we actually see that God is the God of abundance and God has more than we need to give to us. 
And when we live that way and we recognize the enough of God, it can actually generate uh, generosity in us. That we get to live generous lives instead of grasping stingy lives because we're taken care of so we can give. We're finishing up the series. We're going to talk about the word wow today. So you want a bad joke? Somebody pointed out to me that as we talk about wow, as wow is this thing that will flip the world upside down, something that we didn't see coming, we couldn't imagine coming, it just kind of flips us over. If you flip the word wow upside down, you get mom, which perfectly aligns for Mother's Day, right? Happy Mother's Day. We plan a sermon just for you. Wow is the word that best encapsulates our response to God. That when we see God for who he is, when we see us, ourselves, in light of who God is, our first response is, wow, I did not see that coming. Or, wow, I've known you, and I know what you're like, but wow, over and over and over again, we, may we never lose the wow of God. Wow is what we say when we didn't see it coming, when we're just struck dumb by something in our face. And every language has a word for wow. You may not even be able to define it. It's just wow. I remember the first time I was in Senegal, sitting outside the church building in the shade of a tree, talking with a friend, and he just kept saying over and over while I was speaking, wow, 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 wow. And I was like, what? Is he being sarcastic? What I'm saying is not that profound. I've come to find out wow in the uh, Wolof language just means yes. He was just saying, yep, I got you. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it was like a, nod, a head nod. And he kept saying, wow, wow, wow. Like, okay, now that I know, I feel a little less angst because I thought you were just mocking what I was saying. <laughs> wow. Now, some people, when they run into something that's amazing, what slips out even without thinking is, oh, my God. It's as if our soul is crying out to something that is beyond us. We're amazed by something, and it's calling out to something out there. People who don't even know God call out his name in a time of wow. Our universe is built on wow. If you use both a scientific and a biblical language, the scientific language of everything that we see says, at one point in time, everything that we see was smashed into the space, the size uh, smaller than the head of a pin. And within one second, it exploded into 100 billion miles, literally. In one second, everything happened. And they call it the Big Bang. And I say, I know who generated that. Wow. If you look at science and everything exploding 100 billion miles, you can't help but say, wow. Using biblical language, it sounds a little bit more like this. And God said... And it was. Wow. Wow. Our universe is full of wow. Our world has so much wow built into it. I remember growing up, I loved fishing and I loved ice fishing. Um, there were a couple times where I would go and sleep over at my grandparents' house and we'd get up at 3 a.m. And uh, we'd head out in the dark to a lake that he knew in a secret spot, and we had to walk a mile to get to it, and the, the lake was loaded with northern pike. 
And one, one morning, we got there just at sunrise, and we started a, a fire right on the lake, and we had uh, big puffy Cheetos just to eat while we waited. And the tip-up went up, and I ran to it, and I started pulling on something. And my dad had promised, if you catch a fish 12 inches or bigger, I'll mount it for you. And something was on the end of this line that, I, that was bigger than 12 inches. And I was pulling and like, wow, uh, I need some help here. And I actually had to get a guy to help because he had like ducked under a log in the water. And we pulled out a 32-inch northern pike out of the ice. And it, wow, right? Like, Dad, pony up. (laughs) Oh, wow. Another time when uh, I was fishing with my dad up in the uh, north woods. We're just fishing in a rowboat with a rented motor. We each got like a quarter of a night crawler on, and something grabs my line. It took me a half hour to bring in, and it ended up being the biggest smallmouth caught in Vilas County that year. And wow, we took it into the gas station, and the guy said, wow, only he didn't use the word wow. (laughs) We don't see him like that. Wow. And then I got a gift certificate for the Chamber of Commerce, and it was like, this is awesome. And I got my picture taken, like with all the big old gruffy fishermen, like who know what they're doing. And I'm like this young punk in a cap backwards. And I'm like, Nightcrawler. <laughs> wow. Wow. For me, up north, those lakes up north have wow written all over them. And it's a more subdued wow. But if you've ever seen a sunset or a sunrise over one of those lakes, or even in the boundary waters, you know what I'm talking about. There is a calm and peaceful wow of majesty swimming over the waters. I mean, just kind of dancing as the sun comes up or goes down. It's wow. You get on a personal note, and you like go back to the day that your kid was born. And it's all kinds of wow. Or uh, how amazing are women that God would design a woman's body to carry a little bitty human in them and grow them up and develop them so that they could push them out and say, welcome to the world. Wow. Women, you're incredible. God made you incredibly. Wow. People who become pregnant after years of infertility. Like, wow, God, what are you doing? People who have struggled their whole life, and yet are able to sing to God. Wow. Sobriety after years and years of addiction. And you say, wow, what is happening? Freedom after living for years and years and years trapped by fear and suddenly not feeling burdened by that. Wow. So much of this world has wow built into it. I think it's actually impossible for a human to live an awe-less life. I think it's impossible for a human to live an awe-less life. The problem is, I think, we so, so too often misplace our awe. Because our awe is meant to move from the horizontal up to the vertical. The horizontal and the here and now and what's around us and the people around us and the stuff around us, it's meant to call us up to the great wow of God. 
and we get stuck in the horizontal. I'll call it replacement awe. It keeps our eyes lower than where they are called. Listen to how Paul describes it in Romans 1, verses 20 through 25. For his, this is God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, people, are without excuse. The horizontal is clearly meant to draw us up into the wow of God. And people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, because, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped the creature rather than the creator, who is forever blessed. We misplace our awe when we find ourselves in awe just of the creation that stays on the creation instead of calling us up to the creator himself. It's awe in the wrong place. And it all goes back to Adam and Eve. Rather than reaching out to God, they reached out to something that he had made. And they said, I want things my way rather than holding on to you and trusting you. I'm going to reach out to something instead of you. And I'm going to worship that. And we do it all the time. We get caught up in the horizontal. We look to the stuff of this world and we worship it instead of being captivated by the God of this world. Are there things this morning that have captivated your attention and your wow other than God, and where they haven't pushed you up into God, but have actually stolen the wow from Him? Are you looking to find life in things and people and places other than God? We all too easily chase the lie that anything other than God can bring us life. And listen to what one author writes. He says, if human beings were created to live in the heart-gripping, life-shaping awe of God, and they were, then replacing awe of God with awe of something else will never go anywhere good. But it gets even darker and more personal. Because in such replacement, we do not just generally put creation in the place of the Creator. It's more catastrophic than that. At the most foundational of heart levels, we somehow always replace awe of God in our hearts with awe of self. Awe of self. We become the center of our own attention. Everything becomes about building our identity. So what happens when we have uh, placed the attention on ourselves is three temptations are quick to follow. Approval an appetite, and ambition. Approval says, I want people to see how wonderful I am. And I want them to approve of me and say yes to me. And that 
that will make me feel okay. And this is addicting, and this is derailing. Look, I, I love it when people come up to me after a sermon, and they're like, that was a really great sermon. That's encouraging to me. But if I start to live for that, so that if you came up to me and you said, that was a dump of a sermon, and that makes me not okay, then I'm in a wrong spot, right? Leslie gave me an incredible gift for my birthday this year, my 40th birthday back in December. She made a book for me, and she reads out to people in our lives uh, from past and now and, and all over the place, and she said, what's something that you'd like to say to Shannon? Something that you learned from him, something that you've seen in him, something that he modeled, something that you're thankful for? What kind of encouragement would you like to give him? And then she compiled them all into a book, and I read through them, and it's powerful. And I'm pretty great. And so I put the book next to my bed so that I can read it every night before I go to bed. <laughs> and, I, and, and before my feet touch the ground in the morning, I pull out that book just to say, wow, me. <laughs> Not really. The book is on the shelf. And there are days where I pull it out and I find encouragement in it but it's not meant to be my source of approval, right? It's not meant to be the thing that forms my identity. I'm not looking to it or to you or to anybody to do that for me. But that's the temptation that comes. So I want people to recognize me. You want people to recognize you. Find your approval from them. If, if approval consumes me, my wow is misplaced, right? The second one is appetite. I want to fill myself with whatever I desire. We have all kinds of appetites. Some of them are good appetites. But if taken too far, we look to them to fill us, then we're off. Some of them are wrong. Like we desire to eat poison. We go after things that we think will be really good for us and they're poison to us. And we take them in and we take them in and we take them in. Can I confess to you something this morning? I've, I've realized over the course of maybe this last week that I've been looking to appetite to bring me comfort instead of looking to God to bring me comfort. So I've been coming in and out of meetings that have been pretty intense, and it's been really easy for me to do the drive-through thing. Literally, let appetite bring me comfort. Go through and order a McDouble. Like, oh, I'm ready for the next meeting. Okay. That feels good. And I got news from my doctor this week that says, you need to stop that. It's not going in a good direction, and you need to jolt yourself awake to this. And it was wonderful, because all of a sudden, I had this realization that McDonald's, I'm looking to McDonald's to do something that it has no power to do. McDonald's can't bring me real comfort. It can't really fill me. And so many things that fill our appetites, that we desire, that we look for comfort, we want to be filled by those things, and they don't have the power to do it. So I'm thankful for Justin. Actually, Justin and I were talking, and I was talking with him about this stuff and some of my struggle, and he said, actually, my devotional this morning said, instead of trying to live a comfortable life, you should expect trouble. 
because Jesus said we're going to have trouble in this life. So just expect it. If you expect life to be easy, if you expect life to be comfortable, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to McDonald's. If you expect trouble, but you then go to God to fill you and to be the one to comfort you, then you're going to head face first into it, not afraid and not empty. I'm really thankful for Justin and just time with God this week to be able to wrestle with my own appetites. The third one is ambition. Ambition says, I want to advance my own kingdom. I want to win. And I want others to know it. This world and our country is built on ambition. Ambition is celebrated, especially in our country. People who get after it, who walk all over people, but build and build and build an empire. Ambition is heralded and it's cheered on. Now you can really easily end up looking like King Saul. Israel's first king, when they're crying out for a king, and they say, we want a king, and God says, let me be your king. And they say, no, we want a human king, just like everybody else. And God picks out for them a dude who's head and shoulders above the rest of them, really good looking, really strong charisma, could lead people just by um, his sheer magnetic force. And he started out all right, but eventually... He got into this trap of wanting to build his own kingdom and racing ahead of building God's kingdom so that building his own kingdom was more important to him than being an ambassador for God. And he got out of whack, and it got messed up. And God said, you're no longer my guy to lead my people. And he dethroned him. And he said, ambition has wrecked you. Now, ambition is good. We want to be hungry to win. But the question is, what am I winning? What am I advancing? What am I seeking to grow? Am I seeking to grow my own kingdom? That's a misplaced wow with me at the center. Approval, appetites, and ambitions. Do you know these temptations? I do. I struggle with these all the time. When life becomes all about me, when the spotlight and the wow is centered on me, I get consumed by these things, but it doesn't have to stay that way. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You don't have to live any longer just for yourself. You can actually, because of Jesus, because he lived and died and gave his life for you and for me and for us, you can actually take the spotlight and turn it to him and off of yourself and say, I want to live for you. I want my wow to be on you. I want to hold you up. And we just redirect. We repoint. Or if it's shining at us, we live in such a way that we're reflecting up. People look at us and they don't get stuck on us. It actually leads people up. That doesn't mean I go away. That doesn't mean I'm diminished. That means I'm living the fully glorious life that God called me to by reflecting the one whose image I bear. I don't have to live for me. I can redirect my wow. I can put my gaze back on the one where it belongs. And Jesus did this. 
If you look at Matthew 4, those first 11 verses, when Jesus started his ministry, he didn't start by some grand entrance. He started by walking into the desert. He started by fasting for 40 days. I can't imagine what that's like. In 40 days he's fasting, and then at the end of it, the devil shows up to tempt him. And do you know what temptation he brings his way? Three of them. Three of them. It's approval and appetites and ambition. He says, if you really are the Son of God, and he's getting right at Jesus' character and identity, if you really are the Son of God, throw yourself off the top of this temple. And if God approves of you, he'll send his angels to catch you. you got nothing to worry about if. And Jesus says, we're told not to test God. I'm not going to take that kind of attention. I'm going to redirect. And the devil shows up again and he says, man, you've been fasting for 40 days. you got an appetite, don't you? you got all kinds of power. If you're the son of God, why don't you turn some of these rocks around you into bread, literally feeding your appetite, looking for comfort, looking for nourishment, looking for something to sustain you. And Jesus says, man doesn't live on McDonald's alone. I don't need to pull in there to get what I need. I need to feed on God himself. And he's able to beat back that temptation around appetite and ambition. The devil takes him to the top of the mountain and he says, look over all the kingdoms of the world. Everything you see, I will give you. If you just bow down to me, I will let you advance your kingdom, Jesus, if you bow to me. And Jesus says, I'm not here to do my kingdom. Not right now. I want to promote the Father's kingdom. And I don't need the glory. It's incredible then in Philippians 2 when it says, He who gave up everything was exalted and lifted up. And Jesus was given the name above all names so that when we say his name, we bow. We bow out of our wow. Jesus has a kingdom. He just didn't go after it himself. He's able to say, I'm about my father's business. I'm about my father's kingdom. That's the one that I want to advance. Jesus beat back the temptation because he had his wow in order. And he shows us what happens when we do. When I'm able to have my wow in the right place with God, I let him speak approval to me. And I let him satisfy my appetites. And I let him drive my ambition. With his approval, I let him shape my identity, believing that who I am is who he says I am, that I am what God says I am, not what anybody else says I am. My identity is found in him, and with my appetites, I start to crave him and the stuff of him more than anything else. And with my ambition, I'm no longer chasing after my own kingdom. Now, I'm putting my effort into advancing his. And life follows. Having my wow focused on God, it changes my life. So enough, remember enough? Enough 
recognizes the abundance from God, and it leads to generosity. Wow recognizes the wonderful, and it leads us to worship. And a rightly placed wow recognizes the wonderful all around us, and it calls our attention and worship up to the one who truly deserves it. If you're lacking wow right now in God, I want to give you an assignment. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to keep the wow fresh. So I'm going to put a verse up on the screen that you probably know. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you're lacking wow with God this morning, I want to give you an assignment. I want you to pull out this verse. You can start even now, but I want you to pull this verse out this week, and I want you to start making as many observations on it as you can. Why is each word there? What does each word point to? What does it mean? What is it getting at? What do you notice that maybe has never really grabbed you before? Do this. Do this wholeheartedly, and I promise you, I promise you, your heart will start beating faster. I did this. This was one of my favorite assignments in seminary. A hundred observations on John 3.16. That was the assignment. You make a hundred observations and come back to me, the professor said. And the assignment started, and I was like, are you kidding me? There's not even that many words in John 3.16. How am I supposed to make a hundred different observations from John 3.16? And as I dove into it, my heart started beating faster and faster. Each word was so significant. Four, it's like something happened before this verse. This verse just didn't pop out of heaven. Something happened. It's happening in context, and I want to look into that. God, God, that God is the subject, that God is what it's all around, that God is what my attention is drawn to, that God is someone beyond us, someone almighty, someone powerful. This revolves around God. And then John 3.16 says God's primary action is love. You have a God and his primary action could be anything he wanted it to be. His primary action could be out of anger. It could be violence. It could be force. It could be anything he wanted it to be. And our God chooses love as his primary action. To me, I started to say, wow. And he didn't. It's not just for God loved, right? They slip in another verse with, or another word with incredible meaning. For God so loved. God doesn't just love. He so loves. And it builds. And the wow grows. Each word is so significant. He loves so much that he sent his son. And it doesn't say it explicitly in John 3.16, like he sent his son where? Or like to pick and save for something? Like, hey, son, can you go grab something for me? He sent his son, if you pull out into the context of the Gospels, he sent his son to die. He sent his son for us. 
And John 3.16 says, he sent his son so that we could live. When he died, we could have life. God so loved that he sent his son to take on our shame, to take on our sin. And when we believe in him, we start life now. And it's a life that goes on eternally. It's a life that goes on forever. We're good. We have enough. We don't have to worry. What does that call out of you? Wow is the appropriate response. And my, are you kidding me, turned into, are you kidding me? Wow. Church, I want us to live caught up in the wow of God so that when you look around at everything that he created, when you see how immense and holy he is and that his primary action is love, wow. When you look at Jesus and the way he lived and the way he taught and the way he sacrificed and the way he died and the way he rose again, wow. When you look at the Holy Spirit, how God himself comes to live in us who believe, how he equips and how he guides and how he comforts and how he empowers us. Wow. Wow is what we say when something turns the world upside down, something we didn't see coming, something we couldn't have even imagined or made up. That almighty God would become a vulnerable baby. And then rather than commanding respect as an earthly king with his own kingdom, took on our shame so that we could really live. Are you kidding me? Wow. The truth is, all of creation calls out its wow to God. From that first second when everything burst a hundred billion miles, it screamed out, wow. And we can too today. I love that you spent the first part of this sermon singing out your wow to God. Worship is our wow out loud. And we're going we're gonna to finish today with just one song to declare that. Singing out, so will I. If creation was made to worship, so will I. If everything around me calls out the great wow of God, so will I. So will I. Just one song. And in that, I want you to be able to feel free to come up for communion, to be in your seats, to express your wow to God, and to sing that out. And just, just as an invitation, if you're in a place right now where you're saying, I don't know if I've ever given God my wow. I, I feel like all of the focus has been on me, and today I'm really sensing that I want to redirect. I no longer want my wow misplaced. I want my wow rightly placed. If that's you this morning and you want your eyes opened to Jesus and they're already being opened, you would repent from the, the me-centric wow and say, I want Jesus. I want to give him my wow. I'm going to go stand in the back.
Yeah, it's just an invitation to come up and talk. Or find somebody else to talk to, to say, I'm done. I'm done misplacing wow on me. I want Jesus as my ultimate wow. I'll be there. Come find me. Let's pray. God, when we see you, we can't help but say, wow. That is the best response we can have. That's the only response we have when we see who you are, when we say your character, when we see how you love us, when we see who we are in you. Wow, God. Wow. So we declare this morning that we will fight back with misplaced wow. We want you to free us. Jesus, in your name, would you just take away any wow that steals attention from you? Would you let us put it down so that we can call out you? Give us a wow that radiates through all of who we are and help us to sing that comes from the deepest place within and puts the spotlight on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.